watching on uh, online, you can go to the website at riverchurchnola.com, click on the uh, where you see the list of sermons, and uh, you should be able to pull our bulletin up, which has the outline on it, and um, that should be there. So we've been talking about detoxing. I feel like I need a detox after we went to a birthday party yesterday and I ate all the bad food. But I lost seven-tenths of a pound, so I'm going to eat bad food again today, I think, you know. Uh, but, but, you know, uh, sometimes we've been, you know, we, we, we want, we've been doing 21 days of prayer, not prayer and fasting. And, uh, but we, we did talk about we need to pull some toxins that get into our bodies, our spirit, and our soul out of our lives. And, um, you know, in the, in the, in the wintertime, in January, we start the year off with 21 days of prayer and fasting. I usually fast desserts, which as y'all know, that's a struggle for me. Uh, how many of y'all know sugar is the number one addicted uh, thing, other maybe caffeine, I don't know, but but man, about the, about the second day, the, I'm wondering if the paint on the wall has sugar in it. And, uh, you know, and then, then by about the fourth day, you're all right. You feel good, with, you know, without eating all that. And you go, I may never eat a dessert again. If y'all ever hear me say that, you know I'm lying, but... Yeah. Uh, you know, but but you feel better, and so uh, that's what we've been doing. We're we're detoxing some things out of our spirit, our soul, and our body. Well, uh, week one was uh, de- let's detox, where we we talked about, and I gave you a pattern for the twenty-one days of prayer, where every morning we wake up and we acknowledge and thank and sin out of your life, and the way you starve that out is you you feed your spirit uh, God's word, you know, and and we've got one-year Bibles, we've got the new devotionals. Are here. I don't think they're out yet, but we'll put them out at the end of the service. And, uh, and, and so they have a reading plan in there for you, but you can, well, you want to get God's word in you, okay? And, uh, and so we talked about feeding your spirit worship. Uh, the, the, the First 15 app on your phone is a great way to do that. You get five minutes of worship. That's basically one worship song, you know? And, and so you can pull up a worship song on your phone and worship and then Five minutes of reading, five minutes of prayer. So you want to feed yourself God's word, some worship and prayer. Then last week we talked about soul detox. We talked about you got to get rid of unforgiveness, right? Uh, And comparison and anger and worry. Uh, Easier said than done sometimes. We got people that have taken worry to a whole new level in this church. And we we replace that, though, uh, by having right relationships, where we're in relationship with other Christians. This time of isolation has been bad because we don't do alone very well. Our minds go crazy, and we start thinking crazy thoughts, and, and we start having anxiety and stuff like that. And, and, uh, and so uh, we, we, you've got to get rid of that kind of stuff. And, and, uh, and so to do that, you've got to feed right relationships. You've got to have a God-defined identity. In other words, you've got to believe that who you are is who God says you are, not what the culture's saying. You know, not what not what TV's saying. You know, you'll see uh, affects you know ladies and guys, I guess, because you know they'll have they'll have some guy with painted on abs, you know, on a picture, and he's looking all that, and you know, and and uh, you know, I'll look at that and say, yeah, no, that's not gonna happen. And 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 you know, or you ladies, y'all are looking at a picture of somebody that's had like five thousand dollars worth of Photoshop done to it, and think I've got to look like that, but you don't. Nobody does. That person doesn't. If you've ever seen them without all that makeup, you'll go, ah, my eyes, my eyes. And, uh, and, and so, 
you know, we've got to get who we are, a God-defined identity, and that's, that's what we, we get that from knowing who God is. And we talked about living a crucified life where we die to our own desires and look for what God wants us to do. And then, then we talked about we learned that we've got to live with an eternal perspective. That means I'm, I'm living with heaven in mind. I'm living knowing that the day I stop breathing here, I'm still breathing in heaven, that I've, I'm, I'm an eternal being. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, you're an eternal being. And look at your other neighbor and say, you're an eternal being. You know what I mean? We're, we're going to live forever. The only difference is, is location, location, location. Okay? And you've heard people say location, location, location about where you're moving. Well, heaven or hell, that's a real important location, location, location. And, uh, and so today we're going to talk about body t- detox. Let's look at our verse. And, uh, and it says, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. I can't stress how important this is. I mean, in, in whether you're dating, whether you're in business or whatever, he said, don't, don't team up with unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? How can har- there be harmony between Christ and the devil? How can a believer partner with an unbeliever? I knew of uh, some guys in business one time where one was a believer and one wasn't. One believed they should tithe off of their business profits. And this guy didn't. And, and, and so there was disharmony in that, in that company. And so that's, that's why he says don't be uh, yoked or don't team up with unbelievers. Husband and wives. I've seen this where the wife wants to come to church or the husband wants to come to church. The other one doesn't. One wants to give. The other one said, are you crazy? Well, you give out of what you make, not, not anything off of mine, you know, and, and, uh, and, and it creates discord. And, uh, and so don't team up with unbelievers. And he says, and what union can there be between God's temple and idols? And, uh, and so, you know, I, I, I shared, you know, a couple of funny stories, but, you know, we, we bring things into the church. You know, I grew up, man, the church was like sacred ground, you know, and we couldn't even bring coffee in the sanctuary. It was, it was like, you know. A matter of fact, they didn't even let kids go in there except for church. It's like, you know, we would feel like we were trespassing when we'd sneak in the sanctuary when we were younger. And, and like, you know, God's going to get you and, uh, and stuff. But here's the thing. Then Paul goes on to say this, for we're the temple of the living God. Did you know you're the church? Not, not this building. You're the church. And, uh, and then he says this, I'll live in you and I'll walk among you. I'll be their God and you'll be my people. Then he says, therefore, come out from among unbelievers and separate yourselves from them. Don't touch their filthy things, and I'll welcome you, and I'll be your father, and you'll be my sons and daughters, says the Lord. What he's saying there is we can't live like the rest of the world. We're supposed to be different. We're called out. It doesn't mean that you don't have any unchristian friends or that you're not going to the ballpark and doing things and, and all that kind of stuff, but you live differently. We want people to see us by the way we live and say there's something different about that person, and I like it. See, that's what I saw in a guy named John. There was something different about him, and it was something I was missing, and I wanted it. And, and so that's what, what he's talking about. He said, because we have these promises, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit and, uh, and work towards complete holiness because we fear God. Now, holiness is to, is to live set apart. We should be different. In other words, if somebody charged you or I with being a Christian, is there enough evidence to convict us? Well, there needs to be. And uh, they need to be able to see that in our life. So we're going to look at some body toxins today. Uh, you know, and, and we get kind of these toxins. I mean, 
Uh, you know, I say this right after we had this wonderful birthday cake from a cake thing on Wednesday. And, um, you know, I, I've got this bad reputation. They always give me the piece that's got the corner with all the icing, you know. And, that, and, and, and I love that, you know. Uh, but, you know, I'm, how many of you know God created Krispy Kreme donuts? <laughs> but the devil's the one makes you want to eat the whole dozen, you know. And, uh, and so I went to the doctor this week, had my annual physical. He said, Robert, you're the perfect weight for a guy six foot three. I said, Doc, I'm 5'10". He said, well, you got to lose some weight. And, uh, you know, so anyway, some of y'all may have had a doctor's appointment like that, you know, where they say, hey, look, you're in great health for an 80-year-old, but, Doc, I'm 60, you know I mean, you know, and, and, uh, and, and so he said, well, <laughs> he's going to die in a minute. But anyway, uh, let's look at some of these toxins that get into us. Romans 7, Paul says this, so I find this law at work. When I want to do good, Paul saying, I want to do good. He said, when I want to do good, I mean, this is Paul talking, right? I mean, it's not me or you. This guy wrote most of the New Testament. He said, when I want to do good, which I would think for Paul pretty much all the time. I mean, you know, uh, he said, evil's right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. In other words, he's, he, he delights in doing what God wants him to do. But I see another law at work in the members of my body waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin that works within my members. That's his body. Then he goes, what a wretched man I am. This is Paul talking. I'm thinking, I don't have a chance. He said, who will rescue me from this body of death? Now, the great news is, in, in Romans 8, he says, you know, thank God through Jesus Christ, you know. And, uh, and so you, you might not have ever thought about your body being a body of death, but, but if you've ever detoxed from some things in your body, you know how freeing it feels. And so let's look at some toxins that creep in that, that kill our bodies, that kill our lives. The first one I want you to look at is addiction. Now, write that down. And, and while you're writing that, how many of you would say you're an addict? Raise your hand. Some of y'all are honest. But here's the deal. Here's my definition of addiction. Is anything that I don't want to do but keep doing. I can quit. Okay, then do it. Anything that I don't want to do but I keep doing. That, that's an addiction. That's a stronghold in your life. And, and, and you know, uh, a few of us face those kind of strongholds. Let me ask you some questions that help you define that. Do you arrange your schedule around it, whatever it is, whatever that stronghold is? Do, do you try and keep it a secret? Does it isolate you from others? You know? Uh, do, do people around you say that you have a problem with it? That's a telltale sign. If your spouse or significant people in your life are saying, you know, this is a problem for you, uh, then, then you do. You know, if somebody says, all these people, when, when everybody but me is wrong, the common denominator there is who? Me. The people around you say that you have a problem with it. If you wanted to stop it for the next six days to Saturday, the end of 21 days of prayer, could you stop it? Whatever it is. It might be watching TV. It might be, uh, it could even be something good like exercise. Some people get addicted to exercise. I've lost that addiction, but anyway. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I enjoy, I used to enjoy it. But, uh, see, we lose these fights about these strongholds in our life because we try and do it on our own power, don't we? We try and... We try and do this on our own. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna buckle down, and I'm not gonna eat that cake when they bring it, or I'm not gonna, you know, and uh, and and so we don't get God involved. 
And, and none of that's bad as long as it's in moderation. So let's look at what Paul said. Paul said this in Romans 6. Do not let sin control the way you live. Now sin, he's talking about not one little thing that you do. He's talking about a lifestyle of sin. He's talking about a stronghold in your life. He's saying don't let sin control the way you live. Don't let it make you schedule around it. Don't let it help you keep it a secret. Don't let it isolate you. Don't let it, you know, where other people are saying this is a problem. You know what I mean? Don't let sin control the way you live. Don't let it control the way you live. Then he said, do not give in to sinful desires. Don't give in to sinful desires. And don't let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, we're going to come back to this part, give yourselves completely to God. He said, don't do this, but do this. Give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what's right for the glory of God. Sin, or whatever it is, is no longer your master. For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. And so that's addiction or strongholds in our lives. We've got, that's a toxin. Another toxin, I'm going to use a Bible word. It's a big one, debauchery. Debauchery, that's old school. But basically, debauchery is extreme indulgence in sensuality. It's just following your, your flesh. It's if it feels good, do it. That's debauchery. And, uh, and today people, uh, you know, we got a whole culture of people weren't raised. My goodness. When I was grew up, some things were right all the time. Some things were wrong all the time. Right? Some of y'all remember those days. Now... You know, oh, well, you know, it might be right for you, but it's not right for me. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, all this stuff. And so we, we've been raised without these moral absolutes. Let me tell you something. If it was wrong 50 years ago, it's still wrong today. If lying was wrong then, it's lying's wrong now. If being mean was wrong then, it being mean's wrong now. If immorality's wrong then, it immorality's wrong now. And, and uh, I grew up, though, how many of y'all remember uh, Ronald Reagan, President Reagan? And uh, his wife had this program called Just Say No. It was to drugs, right? And, and the idea was that as human beings, if we had good information and we had convictions, when we're faced with temptation, we can just say no to it, whether it's drugs, whether it's sex, or whatever, that we can say no. And so, uh, you know, you, you can have some convictions and you can... Say no to things. But today our culture doesn't say no. They just say, oh, if that's what you want to do. If it feels good, yeah, if it feels right, just follow your heart. How many of y'all have ever heard that said? Follow your heart. The Bible says your heart is deceitfully wicked, more wicked than anything. So, yeah, just keep following your heart. And, you know, you, let me tell you, you can't trust your feelings. Debauchery says, hey, trust your feelings. But you can't. And, uh, and, and some things we do kind of help us with that debauchery thing. Uh, you know, the Bible says don't get drunk on wine. That would include beer, whiskey, dope, anything like that. He said, why? Because it leads to debauchery. He's not saying that drinking a glass of wine is, is bad. He said, don't get drunk on it because it leads to debauchery. How many of y'all have ever uh, seen people act crazy at Mardi Gras? I mean, you know, you'll see somebody, if you've ever been somewhere and somebody just had so much to drink, they're up dancing on the table in a restaurant or a bar, or they're on the hood of a car, 
you know, acting all crazy and doing other things. And, and what's happened is, is they've had a little too much to drink, right? And, and what happens, that dulls their inhibitions, and so they'll do things that they never would have done. People come to our city, they go down on Bourbon Street, and they undress, and then they're all embarrassed because a camera put them all over Facebook, and their mama saw them. And they go, well, they had no right to put me. Well, you, what are you taking your clothes off in public? I mean, but they had too much to drink. That's debauchery. It, you see, it leads to acting all crazy. It leads, and, and, but here's the downside of that, too. Another side of that is our inhibitions keep a, the same thing that keeps me from dancing on that altar or dancing on a table is the same thing that would keep me from punching you in the face or killing myself if I'm depressed or something like that. And so you get people in, in a culture and if somebody's living with rage in their life and they have two or three drinks, what happens? They do something bad to somebody. If somebody is depressed and they have two or three drinks, what happens? They kill themselves because it lowers those inhibitions. You say, I would never do that. Drink, drink too much, and it, will, it lowers those inhibitions. That's debauchery. It leads to debauchery. And, uh, and that's, why we don't, that's why we don't want to do that. And that kind of reminds me of Boudreaux and Thibodeau. Boudreaux and Thibodeau went out drinking one night. And, uh, and they, were, they were drinking at the bar, and, oh, they got, they got some drunk. And they came out the bar, and instead of going left to the parking lot, they went right, and they got on the railroad track. And they're walking on the railroad track, and Boudreaux said, man, this is the, the worst stairwell I ever, I ever climbed. And Thibodeau said, yeah, but it's not them stairs as hard. It's those low handrails that's hard. Oh. I had to throw Boudreaux in there for you. So when something's controlling you like that, you're looking a little bit like Boudreaux and Thibodeau. Looking a little bit. He said, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but, or instead, circle instead on your notes, be filled with the Spirit. We don't need to ever allow anything but the Holy Spirit to be controlling our lives. That's why I don't drink or do any of that other stuff. Because I don't want anything to control me but the Holy Spirit. Okay, so that's debauchery. So we're going to go, one, now we're going to graduate to the big league uh, toxin. The next one is sexual immorality. Most people today have no idea what sexual immorality is. So I'm going to give you the de definition. Write this down. It comes from the word pornea, which is the same word we get porn from. But sexual immorality is all sex outside marriage. And that's as defined by God. God defines marriage between a man and a woman. Not a man and a man, or a woman and a woman, or uh, whatever. It's between a man and a woman. That's marriage. And uh, all sex outside of that, God says, is sin. Now, government can say what they want to say, but I'm going to stick with what God says. And, and so everything else is sexual immorality. It's, whether you're, it's homosexual sin, heterosexual sin, living together, uh, springing around from place to place, whatever. It's all sexual immorality, and that's what he's talking about here. And I read an article yesterday. There's this model. She's an Internet model, and she thinks that God has called her to, to strip online so that she can help other women be free in their sexuality. She believes that God gives us sexuality to flaunt it. And, uh, and, and let me tell you, that's what our culture thinks. That's what our culture thinks. That's what's out there. I'm thinking, I'm having the same reaction, y'all reaction, when I'm, I'm reading it. I'm going, boy, did she miss God. I mean, you know. But they're trying to call her a Christian stripper or something in this article. And, and it, I said, you got to be kidding me. That's as far away from what God wants you to do with your body 
just about as you can. So, uh, listen, I know all of us have family members. You're going to have friends. You might have children, somebody that's wanting to move in with their boyfriend or girlfriend. Uh, let me tell you, if, 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 you, it removes the blessings of God from your life. You, you may be wondering if you're in a physical relationship outside marriage, why is it so much friction? Why is there no commitment? Why is there, why are blessings just don't seem to follow? That's because you've stepped out of what God wants you to live. And, and, um, you've gotten outside of God's will for your life. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, it, 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 it's rough, but here, here's the thing. And let me tell you this, Louisiana doesn't have common law marriage. I went on a, I went on a crime scene where a, a gentleman had died, and he'd, been he'd not been married. He'd been living with his uh, live-in for 30 years. They had a daughter, adult daughter there. And uh, the daughter and the mother got in a big old argument, and the police escorted the mother off of the property because everything that man had belonged to that daughter now because there's no common-law marriage. The good news is Pastor Kathy and I do marriages, and for anybody affiliated with any of you guys, we'll do it for free. We can do it right here. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, a lot, some people, I've had people, we've done several marriages that were kind of secret marriages where somebody got a house, and, uh, and, but they wanted to have the big party later, you know, and buy a cake from Tiffany. And, uh, and, and, you know, and she does great wedding cakes, but, you know, you can, you can, do, you can do the little private thing so you're not sinning and, and, and walking God's blessing and have the party, you know, whatever. So we all, we all know people that are doing that. I'm not trying to be hard. I want God's blessings in your life. And let me tell you, some people think that what they look at won't hurt them. That word for sexual immorality comes from the word pornea, which is where we get porn, which too many people look at porn. I had one time a, a guy who's, who uh, his spouse had cheated on him, but he was watching porn, and, and he didn't think what he was doing was wrong. Folks, let me tell you, porn is, is sexual immorality. And, and it'll cause the same type of brain damage in your brain. See, when you do crack cocaine, it actually puts physical tracks in your brain. Looking at pornography puts physical tracks in your brain. That does the same damage as, as alcohol, drugs, and other addictions. And so, it, it, it look, that's why Paul said it destroys yourself. Now, look what we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 6. But when Paul was writing to the Corinthians, I've said this before, the Corinthians... In Corinth, they had temple worship and they had prostitutes in the temple. Didn't have any trouble getting people to go to church in Corinth. But uh, they had these prostitutes. And that's why when you say, hey, don't wear makeup, jewelry, braided hair, the prostitutes wore that. They wanted you to look different than the hoochie mamas at the temple, you know. And, and so, uh, so Paul's writing this to these people. He says this, don't you realize your bodies are actually parts of Christ? Should a man... Think about that for a minute. Jesus, right here, inside me, okay? And he says, should a man take his body, which is part of Christ, and join it? That word join means to be deeply fused at a spiritual level to a prostitute. Should a man deeply fuse himself to a prostitute? And Paul says, never. Now, I want you to think about this. Jesus goes everywhere you go. He looks at everything you're looking at. He knows what you're thinking. So just let that sink in for a minute. Then he says this. Paul says, and don't you realize that if man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her. You become one. He said, for the scriptures say the two are united into one. That's not just physically. You leave a little bit of you with them, and a little bit of them comes with you, and whoever else, you know, whatever. And it says, but the person 
is joined to the Lord as one spirit with him. And so then he says this, run from sexual sin. Run from, remember Joseph in the Bible? Potiphar's wife was coming on to him. He took off. And, uh, and, and so you've got to run from sexual sin. And, and that can look a lot of different ways. Uh, I, I, when I was in college, I had some people set me up on a blind date. And, and then I got to thinking, this is before Facebook, all right? Uh, I, I, I got to thinking, this girl might be ugly. I mean, you know, she got dumped. And, uh, and, and, and so I said, maybe I better take her out to dinner. So I took her to a real nice dinner. We went to Pizza Hut. And, uh, and so, I mean, you know, broke college kids, you know. And so, so I'm, 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 I, I go get her, and, man, she's drop-dead gorgeous. Not near as pretty as Pastor Kathy, but she's drop-dead gorgeous. And, and, and I'm thinking, yes. And then uh, so we, we go to dinner, and, and, and she's talking about this hotel room she's got. And I'm a new Christian, you know, and, and, and I'm thinking, yeah, I'm going to Happy Land. And, uh, and, and, and this little voice is saying, I thought you wanted to serve me. I thought you wanted to serve me. And, 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 and so uh, I'm thinking, but Lord, Happy Land. And he's saying, serve me. And, and so uh, here's the way I had to do that. I had to run. <laughs> I had to run away, just like what it says right here, run from sexual sin. What that meant was I did not take her to the prom and I tore up her phone number in little bitty pieces. And, uh, and that was before you saved it on your phone. You know, it was when you had the, these kinds. And, uh, and so you run from sexual sin. No other sin clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. You're sinning against your own body. See, culture wants us to think it's recreational. Culture wants us to think it's just like, you know, a handshake or whatever. You know, it's just fun. It's just... You know, do it with however many people you want to go do that with. But unite means that, it, that something of yours stays with them and something of theirs stays with you. There's a soul bond. I've seen so many young kids, especially girls, that hook up with some guy. They have sex. Now there's a soul bond there. And as bad as that guy is, oh, I just love him. I just, he just beat you to a pulp. Oh, I just love him. You know, and he's abusing your child. Oh, but I just love him, I, you know. There's a soul bond that gets there. And, 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 and you don't want those things to happen. You've got to run from that. It's, it, let me tell you, if you've ever talked to somebody that's been raped or abused, you will know it's not just a physical thing. It's a, it's a, it affects every part of your being. So how do, we, how do we get beyond it? How do we experience a body detox? How do we get this stuff out of our lives? Uh, you know, how do we learn to control our bodies? Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 4, he said, Then each of you will control his own body. And live in holiness that's different and honor. How are you going to live in different, called out from the world, and honor? And, and so he said, and not in lustful passion like the pagans who don't know God in his ways. We've got to learn how to live holy. I'm going to give you three things that will help real quick. One is you've got to get away from it. I already told you how I got away. I tore that phone number up. And... Uh, and, and, you know, and, and so just like anybody else at that time, I tried one day to put those little papers back together, you know, but, but I tore them up good, so that was good. You've got to run away from it. You've got to get away from it, whatever it is. Joseph ran from Potiphar's wife. If he had stayed there, he'd have committed adultery with her, and Potiphar probably would have cut his head off when he came home. So whatever, what's it for you? What's the it for you? might be somebody at work. might be somebody at school, you know. 
some, somebody might need to change jobs. I mean, if, if something's going to take you and to where you don't need to go, you don't need to be there. I, you know, uh, the grass might be greener on the other side of the fence, but it, it's not. But if it is, it just means there's a really high water bill over there. Okay? Really high water bill. Or there's more fertilizer over there. I was trying to stay away from that word. But anyway, the, you know, the, the grass is not greener on the other side. And, uh, and so we've got to run away from that. Get away from whether it's a, if you're in a physical relationship outside your marriage, you need to get out of that and, and get clean from that. The, like Paul said, run from sexual sin. Listen, you don't manage sin. You don't manage it. You run from it. Now, I, I, I'm, I told you, I'm not trying to be hard on I'm trying to save your life. You run from sin. You don't see the Bible say, hey, keep me strong in the middle of temptation. It says, lead me not into temptation. Jesus' prayer, remember? The Lord's prayer? Some of y'all grew up saying it every day like me. Our Father who art in heaven, lead me not into temptation. He didn't say, pray that you're strong in temptation. He said, keep me away from temptation. Prayer Jabez, keep me away from temptation. All these prayers in the Bible are to stay away from temptation. And, uh, and so we, we want to do that. And so we want to get away from it. And uh, he says, no other sin it affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against my own body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you? So we, want, we need to live like we've got God living in us because he is. He's put his spirit in our spirit. You don't, and, and then here's another one. You don't belong to yourself. People say, well, it's my body. I can do with it what I want. If you're a Christian, that's not true. Because he said, you don't belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. Here's what happens. Jesus came and paid the price for all my sins. He said, now, Robert, here's what I want. You're mine. You belong to me. And you know what? That works out good for me because Jesus doesn't want anything but good stuff for me. Jesus is never going to lead me to, a, 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 to do something that's dangerous for me, harmful to me, or, or going to cause me to sin. He doesn't want anything but an abundant life, an eternal abundant life for me. And for me to love other people and lead as many people to him as possible. So I don't mind that. See, he owns me. And so I don't make choices based on what I want. I ask God, what is it you want? Lord, what is it you want me to do? And, uh, and so, because those are his decisions to make. Now, uh, you write this down. Salvation isn't just a prayer. Salvation is when you give control of your life over to God. See, that's when we say, my Savior and Lord, making Jesus Lord of my life is saying, I'm throwing my hands up like we do in worship, and I'm saying, Lord, I surrender. Control of my life to you. I want to live the way you want me to live. Now, does that mean you don't get up and go to work and work hard? No, it doesn't. Does that mean you don't go have fun at the playground and do stuff or go play, have hobbies or, or buy a car and go to car shows? None of that. doesn't mean any of that. But it means you do all that for the Lord. And, and so you surrender control of your life over to the Lord. Now, here's the second thing. The first thing is we get away. The second thing is i got to guard my mind. Man, we gotta, we got to watch what we let in. Everything begins right here. You know, young kids uh, say, hey, I can play all these video games and kill 1,000 people in an hour, and it doesn't affect them. It does. I can watch these movies, and it doesn't affect me. I told you, told the group Wednesday, I said, you know, I watched Black Hawk Down. Pastor Kathy saw it. She was scrolling through the, the, the directory, and she said, Black Hawk Down. And, and, uh, and I'm thinking, oh, no, I'll be in the wrong frame of mind for preaching tomorrow if we watch Black Hawk Down. 
Because I watch Black Hawk Down and I want to go bomb Somalia. I'm thinking we've got some leftover napalm from Vietnam. And I'm, we can just burn that place, you know. For, I mean, it rouses something up, you know. And, uh, and, and so, you know, it does work. Matter of fact, if, if stuff like that didn't impact us, then all these companies that spend millions of dollars for a 30-second commercial are wasting their money. Why do you think Budweiser or Coke will, will spend a million dollars on a 15-second commercial in Super Bowl? Because they know that you're going to go get one and you're going to pop that top and you're going to drink that Coke. That, and it makes my stock go higher in Coca-Cola. So just keep on drinking those things. But, but you know, th th it works and it impacts us. So we've got to guard our minds. It's like I told the people Wednesday night, uh, you know, about the little boy that uh, he wanted to watch a movie. And he had one of his friends to come over. And there's, he said, Mama, there's just one little bad part. How many of you have ever seen a movie? And it's just one little bad. I've had y'all tell me there's only one bad part in it. You know, it's only got one bad word or one scene or whatever, you know. And, and, uh, and, and so his mama said, well, okay, you can do that. And she made some brownies for him. But she went out while she was mixing the brownie batter and got where Rover did his business and put a little of that in the, in the brownie batter. And, and, and she took him to brownies and said, son, look, the brownies are really good. Uh, you know, except there's just one ingredient. Uh, it, it probably won't hurt you, but, you know, just one ingredient. How many of you think any of them boys ate the brownies? I know I'm not eating any brownies, but you get the point. See, just a little bit can ruin the whole. And we've got to guard our minds. See, I, I don't know about y'all, I'm not eating those brownies. We let stuff in our bodies, and we wonder why things are going the way they're going. And here's, I'm going to tell you how it starts getting in. Matthew 6, Jesus said this, Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for the body. Our eyes are where it starts. Whether it's something I'm reading, something I'm looking at, something I'm observing. He said, when your eye is healthy, the whole body's filled with light. So if you're looking at good things and letting good things in, your body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. If your eye is allowing lustful things in and Images and envy. I mean, you're looking at somebody's house and wanting what they've got or, or making money at the expense of everything else. Whatever it is it, that's coming in, it starts right here. It starts right here. That's why you, you put that body of that sculpted body up on the refrigerator if you're working out or if you want a, a car that you're working towards. You're putting that car up there. Why? It's coming in here. It's coming in here. And so... Um, goes on to say, and if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep is that darkness? See, that's what's happening today. We've got people that think they're enlightened, like the Christian stripper. She's thinking her, that God has called her to strip and free all you women of your sexuality, that, you know, if you got it, flown it, whatever. I mean, that's her motto. And, and, and you, you've got all that crazy stuff. He said, if, if what you think is light is really dark, how dark is that darkness? We've got, we live in a culture that's as dark as it's ever been because the misbeliefs are as bad. This idea of no right and wrong, no morality, you know, God, well, that's okay for you, but you just keep it right over there on Sunday in church and don't bring it around by me and all that kind of stuff. See, that's, that's darkness, people. That's darkness. So when I ask you, where are you losing the battle of your mind? What are you letting in? What are you letting in? Where are you losing it at? Paul said this, those who are dominated by the sinful nature, think about sinful things. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature, are you finding yourself thinking about sinful stuff all the time? Is it changing your schedule? Is it isolating you? Is it 
Is it causing you different problems? You know, he said, if you're, if you're dominated by that sinful nature, you're going to think about sinful things. But if you're controlled by the Holy Spirit, you think about things that please the Spirit. So we've got to change the way we think. We've got to re- allow God to renew our minds. So for the next six days, maybe detox your eyes. And look at, you know, guard what you're letting in. Guard what you're laying, letting in. This next, next thing's not in your notes, but I want to share it with you. Here's, here's a principle that will help you. Sin will lose its attractiveness if you find something better. Sin will lose its attractiveness when you find something better. Don't just walk around slapping your hands and don't do that. See, a lot of people think Christianity is just a bunch of rules. Don't do that, don't do this, don't do that. Listen, I don't, I don't, not, I don't commit adultery against my wife because the Bible says it's wrong. I don't commit adultery against her because I'm in love with her. My brother-in-law shared a phrase with me. He's on a diet, man. I'm eating cake and ice cream and pecan pie and apple pie all at the same meal at this buffet luncheon we were on at this conference. And he's saying, look, here's a line he shared. He said, nothing tastes better than thin fields. I'm thinking, this tastes pretty good right now, but that's a true statement. Nothing tastes better than thin fields. I need to put that on my, like, let that be my screensaver on my phone, you know, or something. Nothing tastes better. I mean, listen, when, when he, see, he's got something better than what that dessert tastes like in mind. He's looking for something better. And he, he's replacing that. You know what? That guy didn't eat any dessert. No ice, I mean, no ice cream. While we're at this conference, I mean, they had free self-serve right there. I mean, self-serve ice cream. I mean, he didn't do any of that. Why? Because for him, thin feels better than anything else takes. And, and, and so you, when, when sin loses its attractiveness, when we find something better, that's a principle we need to have. And that leads into this last point. Go all in with God. Go all in with God. I'm, I'm talking about all the way. Some people have a toe in, you know. I come on Sunday, I give God Sunday. I give him part of Sunday. You're like one-seventh in. Or if it's only part of Sunday, you one fourteenth in or whatever. You know, but go all in. Every day we need to be all in. Need to be spending that time with God every day, living life with an eternal perspective, a crucified life. And uh and, and listen, I mean, you know, you've got to have you gotta replace that idea of whatever it is with something better. You know, and you gotta have a purpose. You know, let me tell you, one thing helps keep me straight. Is you guys? Now, I got to stand up here in front of y'all, and 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 I'm not going to be out sinning and come up here and try and do that. I mean, you we all have accountability, right? Besides that, Pastor Kathy would kill me before I ever got up here. But anyway, you want to go all in? Look what Romans says. He said, "Don't let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, look, give yourselves underline that." completely to God. Give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your body as an instrument to do what's right for the glory of God. Give yourselves completely to God. That's what we're asking. That's what we're asking today is for you to give yourself completely to God. See, I want to I help you find something bigger than the temptation that you're faced with. You know, the happiest people in the world aren't the people with self-control. 
People with self-control go around. People who are happy have found something better than sin. If, you're, if you've ever felt the presence of God, you don't want to be without the presence of God. If you've ever felt the peace of God, you don't want to do something that's going to mess that peace up. Because this is better than that. And, uh, and so give yourself completely to God. Paul said this, all the athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that's going to fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. See, Paul had his, his eyes were on his prize in heaven. Not just going to heaven, but his rewards in heaven. And he said this, so I run with purpose in every step. He said, I'm not just shadow boxing. I'm disciplined in my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Why? Because he wants that prize in heaven. Why, why, do we, why do we not sin? Because I want this peace of God in my life. You see, you replace that temptation with something better. Go all in with God. And so Paul lived a disciplined life, not because the law told him not to do stuff, but because he wanted to please God. I want you to bow your heads. We've got six more days of 21 days of prayer. So maybe just for the next six days, God's telling you, do something. Maybe saying go all in. Maybe saying that you need to guard your mind or give control over. To him. Maybe there's a, a sin or a person you need to get away from. Whatever it is, I'm going to give you that opportunity. First, I'm going to give you an opportunity if you don't know Jesus as your Savior. Because none of this, you can do none of this without a relationship with Jesus got to have that relationship with Jesus or it just won't work it won't work you'll be powerless so if you're you're in this room or if you're watching online I want to give you an opportunity to receive Christ as your savior see that's where the power comes from that's where the power to 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 for something bigger for, for resisting temptation we replace it with something better See, living for God is way better than living for the devil, living for myself. So if you're here today or you're watching, I just want you to pray this prayer with me. Dear God, I admit to you that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior.